Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Sharing Watch Fitness Podcast. So thank you so much guys for all of the downloads recently, and thank you so much for sharing it up on your story. So please continue to do that. Leave the reviews up on iTunes, uh, and please do continue to share. So this week is quite a special episode. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, I've been following this person for quite a while. So this uh, episode is with an online coach, personal trainer, uh, Felicity Rosina. So she is a travel enthusiast. She's literally back from Bali, where she was with a previous guest, Siobhan O'Hagan. So if you've been following Siobhan, you would have probably seen Felicity up on your um, stories. So I'll give you a little bit more background on Felicity. She is the creator of the Sassy Squad, which is a community of empowering women to be their best selves and be so confident they're ready to walk a runway. Felicity doesn't promote a fad diet approach, which is what I love about her. She promotes an approach that will allow you to become the best version of you. So her website is www.sassysquad.com, which I'll give the details uh, at, the, at the end of it as well, if you guys want to sign up with Felicity. So Felicity, thank you so much for coming on this morning. Thank you for having me. How is the jet lag after Bali? Do you know what? The jet lag actually didn't hit me at all this time. I got home and the first night I must have gone to bed at like 8pm because I didn't sleep the night before. I woke up at 6 and I was like, hold on a minute. Um, but yeah, the jet lag's been absolutely fine. So that's been a bonus because it's been easier to get back into my routine because I've actually slept fine. And have you been so, yeah. have you been quarantined yet from the, for, for the virus? <laughs> not yet, not yet. So I'm supposedly should have self-quarantined, but... I'm, I'm all good. Other than the supermarkets lacking toilet roll, I'm definitely fine. People have, have literally lost their shit because of the toilet roll. It's mental. We're talking off air and we're just talking through stories. It's it's mental how many people have just lost it completely. Um, but what can, what can you do? Um, so Felicity, for whoever who doesn't know who you are uh, or doesn't know your Instagram, I don't know where you've been, but tell us your story and how you got into fitness. I'll try and keep this as brief as possible because it's the most random story going. But I was an ex-professional dancer, so I went to the dance school instead of university. Um, and while I was there, we were always encouraged to like keep fit. And you're basically dancing for nine hours a day, so you're quite fit anyway. But I started going to the gym on the side because I wanted to look more toned, shall we say. Um, so after I graduated, I had a gap year. And in that year, I just, I really got into training because it was just something for me to do because I get bored quite easily. So I was like, oh, I'll go. There was a gym in the place I worked at. So I used to go in there on my lunch breaks. And then I ended up working at Disneyland um, in Paris. It was my first time I'd lived away from home. So I'd put on quite a bit of weight by the time I came back because I was eating probably three baguettes a day because I didn't know how to cook. Um, so when I came back, I was like, right, okay, I need to do something about this. So I started weight training six days a week. But when I first went into the gym, I didn't really have any idea what I was doing. So I used to go in and just walk on the treadmill, do a few bicep curls and, and then leave. So I actually paid a PT and I had, I think it was 20 sessions with him. And he showed me everything to do. And by which point I was so confident. I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, ended up entering a bikini competition because I was like, oh, this is a good way to get fit. And um, it will give me like a, a goal at the end of um at the end of it and I ended up getting a bit caught in that PT um the competing bubble and um yeah I did I ended up doing four shows quite close together which really wasn't a great idea but from there I kind of was like right okay I know how I can help people because the PT's helped me and I wanted to be that person that that PT was for me when I didn't know what I was doing and they were able to show me so then I felt confident um to go in and do whatever I wanted um, so I kind of always knew I wanted to do something within the personal training field because when I was dancing, it's quite a horrible industry in the sense that you are very, very judged as soon as you walk into a room. Like if you're medium height, blonde with a six pack, you'll normally get picked if you're talented or not. But I was never confident enough to go and stand at the front. So I would never get booked for jobs. And then I'd kind of take it personally when it was always pretty much my fault for not putting myself in the position where I'd get picked um so then I thought right okay I want to go into PT but how am I going to go about this but because I never really had the motivation to push myself to start my own business I was just like okay well it's never going to work for me um so I ended up working in recruitment I did some really really shitty pub work like office jobs 
I had probably the most random CV you can imagine. Um, ended up going to work three seasons in Ibiza, and as I went back for my third season, I was like, my self-esteem was pretty low because I wasn't really sure. When you do seasons, you're kind of caught in a bubble of you do you do a summer and then the winter you either work to save money or you can travel with the money you've saved in the summer. So by the time I got to the third season, I'd just come back from Australia or I'd been travelling for three months by myself. And I got back there and I thought, I've learned so much in the past three months and all these people that I'm now around and surrounding myself with have done nothing all winter. And it wasn't the motivation I then had because in the gap between the second and the third season, um, I'd gone to Sydney and I ended up meeting Diren. And when I met him, he kind of gave me the encouragement that I needed to be able to do better for myself because he was always like, why, why are you still working in Ibiza? You don't need to do that. You can do more. And it was kind of the first time someone had ever said to me that you have more potential than going and working on Ibiza and people like spraying you with champagne for money. Um, that sounds a bit weird, but that was kind of the the mental place I was in is that I felt like I couldn't do something and then someone told me I could and I was like, oh, hold on a minute, what if they're right? Like, have I been wasting my time? So I ended up leaving Ibiza season three early. So it was meant to finish in the October and I ended up leaving the end of July because I was like, right, okay, I'm done. I'm surrounded by people that aren't supporting me and what I want to be doing. Um, so I left. <laughs> um, flew home, I literally had no money. And I'm not joking when I say I had no money. I was like living at my mum's house and I decided to buy a new car. I don't know why I did that, but I put the deposit down from like savings that I had and then decided if I was going to be a PT, I needed a car to get to clients. Um, so then I realised that it was quite stupid of me to buy a car when I didn't have any money. So I ended up working at Next, which is just like a retail store. Um, and I absolutely hated it. Like, I can't even describe how much I hated this job. I used to go and stand there and I was probably quite rude to customers because I just didn't want to be there. And people would moan about the 5p bag charge and all that stuff. So, um Sorry if I'm going on a tangent here. Uh, Work away. So I, by which point I'd launched my online platform. So I was like, if I make some money while I'm working next, I'll be able to save up enough to go to a gym and pay gym rent. Um, so while I was at next, I went and interviewed at a gym near in Kent. So the guy basically sat me down and told me I was unemployable. And I was like, what I was thinking oh my god all I want to do is be a PT like I have a few clients online now and he's telling me I'm unemployable and I got in the car and I cried afterwards because I was like oh my god I'm not going to do well like this man just told me I can't have a job and all this stuff but it was because he said I couldn't settle down and just do one thing because my CV was so all over the place and I'd done so many different little jobs I feel like I never really had the choice or the option to ever have a proper job because I didn't stay in one place for very long. So I then decided, I was like, right, okay, I'm giving myself till Christmas and then I'm going to quit next and whatever happens, happens. So I quit in the gap between Christmas and New Year of, when was that, 2018-19. And then I went to Bali for two months at the beginning of January 2019 while I was there, I managed to gain some really good traction on social media and I started getting all these online clients. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I wanted this whole time. Like this man told me I was unemployable, but now I've got my own business and you can't be unemployable when you're self-employed. Um, so then when we came back from Bali, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to move out. Because I think as well, the main problem is when you live at home is you're still so reliant on your parents that you don't push yourself to do anything because if you need something, you're like, oh, it will be in the fridge when I get home. Whereas now, if there's no food in my fridge because I haven't put it there, I can't eat. So I moved to London and then I ended up working in a gym for six months. So I was having face-to-face -face clients. I was having online, my online business really took off last summer. So I was really busy, which was great. So yeah, going from, yeah, so I guess that's how I got into fitness was that I wanted to be the person that that first ever PT was for me because I wanted to encourage people to go in there even if I don't want to because a lot of people want to go to the gym but they're too scared or they don't know what they're doing so I wanted to be that person that encouraged people to go in. There's 
there was a few things in that that I kind of picked up on regarding the like, we both worked in recruitment we I've chopped and changed jobs an awful lot but it was interesting that you've chopped chopped jobs all that kind of stuff before but it was the fact that you hadn't found something that you enjoyed yeah and 100% because I, now as well I don't ever feel like I'm working like yeah I do work from home so I have a lot of flexibility but I don't I, I hate going to places where you have to for example at next can I go to the toilet can I go on my lunch break like if I need the toilet now I'll just go it's like being at school when you have to put your hand up yeah exactly so now I found something I really love doing I'll be talking to my clients till like 10 11 p.m and I don't feel like it's work because I want to do it whereas if someone had ever asked me if I'd work late at next I'd be like absolutely not yeah, it, it's it's so different when it's your own company because it's your own brand. And if something goes wrong, the book stops at you as well. And I like the way you've kind of said that in order for you to put something into the fridge, you have to work that a little bit harder and the book stops at you. So that was yeah. one thing that kind of came across there. To kind of go back into kind of the the competing world, what yeah. was it? I've, I've had so many people on this podcast and they've spoken about the competing world. Uh, there are pros and cons to it. Some people love it, some people hate it. And everyone is entitled to their opinion before some bodybuilder goes nuts at me because I know a lot of them. <laughs> but I know Siobhan, who has been on, and she's had her own battle with the, battle with kind of the, the bodybuilding world. Like what kind yeah. of, what, what, what was it about it that didn't work for you or was, what wasn't for you? First of all, I feel like I should say I'm not anyone that does it. That's great. I'm not bashing you personally. This is my personal experience, and I, it is different for everyone. But I just wish I'd known everything that I know now going into it. So I kind of went into it thinking, "Oh my god, I get to wear a sparkly bikini, get loads of fake tan, put loads of makeup on, and get to do my hair." That I didn't really realize the work that came with it, and. I was up against some really good people and every time I used to get upset if I didn't win or the, I won one category and I placed second in another and I sat and cried because I came second and it's like you're crying over a plastic trophy like you didn't when you become a pro in some federations you, it doesn't mean anything you don't get money you don't win anything you literally get a tiny mini plastic card that says you're a pro which is kind of their way of marketing to get you to sign up again because then you can compete as a pro instead of an amateur but I really struggled with coming out was the effect it has on your mental health regarding your body so like I had two coaches the second one was good the first one was basically telling me that I was too heavy and she was making me drink pints of salt water which was literally just making me sick because she was like, you're holding too much water weight. And that's just my body composition. That's not anything I was doing wrong. Um, but there's a lot of people who think they compete once and then all of a sudden they're a coach, which I think is what's quite misleading about the bikini competition industry is that people will enter, but they don't know how much work's going to put in and what kind of comes out the other side. Because you can work for so long and you can get so lean, especially in that last week, and as soon as you eat something after the show, your body will kind of, not balloon, but you'll be holding more water weight because you haven't eaten all that stuff for so long. And I, it probably took me the best part of a year to be able to look in the mirror and actually like what I see again. And I think it's, if people have followed me for a long time, they'll know that I'm quite confident in myself and I go into the gym and I'm not really bothered about what I'm wearing. And I don't really wear that much makeup. But honestly, I was looking in the mirror at some points and being like, you look disgusting, you look massive. When I didn't, I was actually tiny. But because in my head, I was so used to seeing myself in pictures when I was competing, I kind of always compared myself to the show day rather than normal life. And I mean, I still do it now. Like sometimes I'll find myself like pinching the skin on my stomach and I have nothing to worry about, but it's, oh, it's just constantly in the back of your head. So that's what I feel like I wish I'd known before I went in and I wish there was more support afterwards yeah i think that is probably from talking to people that have done it like i work with both girls and guys that like i've worked not that i work with as a coach but i've worked with them as pts and stuff like that and they have like there are bodybuilders there but the one thing that i found is it is the aftercare and i don't know if that's the coach or if it's the person not kind of 
liaising enough with the coach or what it is uh, there could be a grey area there um, and I think the fact the industry isn't regulated as well isn't yeah. we're talking about this so fair it doesn't even have to be kind of the, the bodybuilding this is just goes for the general fitness industry as a whole that there are a lot of not great PTs out there um, yeah. I'm not I'm, I'm not great coaches out there I'm not saying I'm the world's best but I am trying to kind of improve every single day and that's all I can do but I know that there's coaches out there and I've seen on the floor that are not really educating themselves as much as they can not going to seminars not reading books not listening to podcasts or whatever it may be and kind of winging it and kind of putting miseducation out there and it is one of those things that is a bugbear because I'm probably one of those that probably kind of my clients give out to me saying that I care too much but I'd rather them say that to me than yeah 100% um you to kind of digress completely off that top before I go off on a rant and get in trouble uh, you are planning on running a marathon at the minute hopefully it goes ahead I hope so if it gets cancelled I'm like I'm still running 26.2 miles on that day regardless I'd say there'll be um, a few people doing it huh I'd say there will be a few people doing the same thing yeah but I read a thing yesterday about if they do cancel it they're then concerned that people will still run it but there won't be like medical teams around so it'll be more dangerous if they do cancel it and people still try and run it. That's also true. So we'll see. Um, training is going, I'd say it was going okay. Um, I throw a lot of strops when I go on long runs now. Like it was only the other day I went out for a 15k and probably got about six kilometers in and I started crying in the middle of Clapham Common. I don't really know why. I was just like, I'm tired. My legs hurt. Like <laughs> I have a stitch, but I sort of sat down and had a word with myself and I was like, you're doing this for a reason. Like you're raising money for such good charity. Um, you volunteered to do it, so you can't stand there and moan because you didn't have to do it. Um, but originally, I wanted to do it in under four hours. But I feel like it's looking more around the five-hour mark now, which is still fine because I still think that's. I mean, as long as I get over the finish line, I'll be happy. But training, it's not bad. But at this point, I don't know what's good and bad in this training because I've never done it before. So. Not uh, sure. Did you do much running when you were away, or was it just kind of like you were doing the the MMA and the kind of the CrossFit and stuff like that when you were away, or were you doing going for many runs? No, because in Bali, like it's not that safe to run. Like there's there's no pavements. Like you can run on the beach, but that kind of just hurts my ankles. Um, but I went for one run out there, and honestly, it was it wasn't a bad run. But there's stray dogs and stuff, and I got chased by a dog, and I was just thinking. My cardio levels just from doing Muay Thai every day are getting so good. There's no real need for me to try and push a run when I don't when I don't need to run, if that makes sense. That makes 100% sense. Um, you mentioned that kind of like one of the questions I sent over to you was what made you want to do it? And you mentioned the charity. To, are you, is there a particular charity that you're, gonna, you're working towards? What? So I'm raising money for a teenage counter trust and I have fundraised for them since I was in primary school um, because a family friend had a son that was in who was looked after by a teenage cancer trust and sadly he passed away um so we've always kind of done stuff like throughout school to raise money for them and i used to do um like little 5k runs and stuff to raise money for them so um yeah that's why but i was watching the marathon last year with one of my clients and she was like oh how um how funny would it be if you ran a marathon i was like yeah i could think of nothing worse to be honest then I got home and I was talking to my friend and she was like, bet you wouldn't enter. I was like, all right, I will. And then as I entered it, I thought, you know what? There's so many people that go into this ballot. I'm not going to get a place. Like when you enter online, you can like tick some charities. So I ticked some charities off and kind of forgot about it. And I was like, oh, I've entered. I'm not going to get in. I got an email and I was on holiday in like June. And it was like, congratulations, you have a space with Teenage Cancer Trust. And I literally was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, better start running then. But up until that point, I couldn't even run up the stairs without getting out of breath. My cardio levels were shocking. And it probably took me six months to be able to get to 5K and not have a stitch. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't enjoy running, but mine's stemming from, uh, I wasn't, I went to a rugby school and I was too small for rugby. So I put on the cross, on the, um, what do you call it? The cross country team. Yeah. Uh, so that's where my hate of running comes from. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think I've thought about it, and my clients have kind of wanted to, one or two of my clients have done the marathon, and they're kind of like, "Oh, would you do it with us?" And we'll raise money for stuff. I've thought about it, 
uh, it might be a 2021 goal rather than a 2020 goal because I just there's too much stuff going on and yeah I think 2021 potentially but don't, please don't hold me to that whoever listens <laughs> to this I'll be messaging you in a year guys did you run that marathon <laughs> yeah not a chance um, it, for anyone that looks at Felicity's Instagram page TikTok page which she's trying to grow at the minute but like her Instagram page like Felicity's probably one of the most positive people I've seen up on social media and going through and doing the research before the podcast one of the mottos that i have definitely taken from you from one of your posts was i'd rather live my life for me the way i want can you expand on this a little bit more so i feel like that quote was actually from a quote that my friend had sent me before i first ever moved to disney so that was six and a half years ago and she sent me this and she was like you need to read this this is you in a nutshell and it's basically about like someone that doesn't ever rely on other people to do things. So I'm very, I hate working in environments where someone, like I said earlier, like I have to ask to go to the toilet, I have lunch and stuff, but I feel like it's so important to do things that you want to do rather than constantly taking into account other people and trying to make other people happy. Because I think a lot of people that I know as well, like they're like, oh, I want to go here on holiday, but like, oh, my boyfriend doesn't want to go here or I want to travel more, but um, my friends won't come with me. Like, do it by yourself nothing bad is going to happen to you and the way I see it is if it all goes wrong and you don't like it anymore you can fly home like flights are so frequent these days it's not like you have to wait weeks to get home like if you made a decision one morning that you didn't want to be somewhere you could book a flight and be home that night so for living the way I want I don't want other people to tell me how I can live my life and I also don't want to be able to to have to rely on other people for me to be happy and did it take you a while to kind of realize that or was it kind of after the chat with Darren or what was the kind of epiphany moment for you to say, right, I actually have to do this for me and for nobody else? I think it was, it was, so I was traveling by myself when I met Darren. So I met him right at the end of my traveling. So on the, on those three months of traveling, I was like, I wasn't not, I wasn't going to find myself, but I was kind of, I'd never been traveling by myself before. I went traveling around Europe. Um, a couple of years before but I did two months on like a top deck trip so you were with like 30 other people on a bus so I was never completely alone which I think that was probably the start of me being like I want to do this because I wanted to go traveling but no one would come with me so I was like oh if I do this I can go on a bus and I can meet other people and one of my absolute best friends called Shauna she lives in Australia now whenever I'm in Australia I go and visit her but she is one of my best friends that I met on that trip and she was traveling by herself as well and we kind of had the same opinion that if you want to do something why are you stopping yourself um but I probably maybe it took me I mean last year was the first time I started going on holidays by myself like I think traveling and holidays are two very different things because last year I went to Ibiza by myself just for a week And people were like, oh, it's really weird you're going on holiday by yourself. I was like, why? Why is it weird? Like, if I want to go and have lunch, I'll go have lunch. I don't have to sit there and be like, oh, guys, is anyone hungry? Do you want to go get food? Like, I just feel like, yeah, it's really nice to be able to just do what you want at the time. But I think it probably took the encouragement of meeting Darren and James and so many of the people I'm friends with now for them to encourage me to just do what I wanted rather than stress about money or stress about people that I was going to either not disappoint but a lot of people are like oh you shouldn't do that all the time because you need to save money when you want to buy a house and stuff like you can always earn more money you can't always have the experience that you could have had again yeah I, I like the way you phrased that as well I think the the kind of the solo travelling is the is I'm going to hold my hands up here the solo travelling is the bit that kind of uh, scares me like I was meant to go to Barcelona on the 4th or 5th of January this year and got sick two days before so I took that as a sign that I wasn't meant to go so like that's twice that's happened now um, and I'm potentially meant to be going away in about five or six weeks and then the virus happens so I don't know <laughs> if something's trying to tell me something or what the crack is but like I've I've like I, you're you're friendly with uh, Sinead as well Sinead Hegarty and she, she was on before and she talked about the solo traveling have you got any tips for anyone about solo traveling on what to kind of do kind of whether to go to hostels or kind of or that kind of thing in order to meet people 
Um, I did a whole Instagram TV on this because so, probably the majority of my questions are, what do you do when you're away by yourself? But the number one rule is if you ever feel unsafe, move. So if you're staying in somewhere that maybe you're in a hostel or you're in a hotel or you feel like if you feel unsafe, get yourself out of the situation straight away because there's always other options. Like if you've booked somewhere to stay and you don't feel safe there, you can probably get your money back if you move. But your safety's number one priority over the money you're spending on something. Um, tip number two, stranger danger. Because <laughs> so many people who I know or have spoken to I've met have gone on nights out and got so drunk they don't remember what's happened and they're like, I don't know where I was. Like, if you're travelling by yourself, you're looking after yourself. So don't get so blackout drunk that you have no idea what you're doing and who you're with because it's different to if you're going out at home when your friends are around, you can get home quite easily and all that stuff. So you have to kind of remember to always be safe and wear a helmet. Um, but good places to meet people. I'd say if you're into fitness and stuff, go to a gym class. Because even if you like training by yourself, if you go into a gym class, you're going to meet people and you have to talk to them to make friends. I think there's people that have inboxed me before and been like, I went to a gym class, but I didn't make any friends. I'm like, but did you talk to anyone? Like, you have to put yourself in the position that you want to make friends. If you're sitting in a cafe and you're by yourself and someone else is by themselves, if they're not on their laptop or they don't have any headphones in, you can just be like, hi, where are you from? And if they don't want to have a conversation with you, it will be obvious by their body language they don't want to chat. Um, so, yeah. And just, I think people need to remember as well, it's normal to feel lonely. Because sometimes, even if I'm by myself and I'm in, like, Spain or somewhere... I'll still get those like flashes of being like, oh my God, I'm by myself. I'm really lonely. But you're not because you can always just talk to your friends on your phone or it's so easy now to be connected to people. If I feel lonely or I feel, feel like that, I can just ring some of my friends and be like, oh, are you free for a chat? I'm just not feeling that great. I I love the fact you've mentioned kind of going to the classes and that was the one thing that I probably did when I was over in training over in Unit 27 in Thailand was the whole, like it is a com- like it is a massive group. Um, and you end up like if you're if you're solo traveling you end up kind of going out for meals and stuff with those people you go go to the wave place in Phuket as well you can just do loads of stuff so it is kind of taking yourself a little if you are a quiet person it is kind of a little bit daunting but it, it, it is important to kind of put yourself out there a little bit more but I think a lot of what I found that when I was over there was a lot of people felt that they're afraid to be in their own company uh, 100% and people it, yeah, sorry, Karen. No, go on. You go. People are scared to be alone. Like, people think that... If you think about it right, I'm self-employed. I probably spend 80% of my time by myself. Like, my housemate will come home, we'll chat. I'll be around my friends, we'll go out for coffee, we'll chat. But most of my time, I'm spent by myself. So why is it different if I'm by myself in my house or if I'm by myself in another country? Like, there's an, always an opportunity to make friends, but some people never take up on that opportunity. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's because potentially you haven't got the same four walls around you that's kind of like kind of protecting you a little bit if you're in your yeah. own house and stuff like that. But if you are abroad, but what you've just said has definitely struck a chord that if it's not going well or it's not for you, you can always just jump on back on a on a plane and come home. And uh, if, do you know what? If it all goes wrong, you've still got a family. Like probably, I'm not saying everyone has this, but I know that if I really needed to, I could turn around and be like, "Mom, I need to move back in." Or, like, if it all went wrong, if everything, if the world was going to end, well, not, if my little world was going to end, there would be people I could turn to that would be, there would be no judgment in the sense that if I wanted to go and, let's pick a random place, if I wanted to go and move now and go move to Australia and go and work there, if in three months I turn around and be like, I don't like it, I want to come home, I would feel like I'd be able to do that without people judging me because I gave it a go. But I think people are too scared to give that first initial thing a go because they're worried what other people will say. 100%. And I think that has definitely held me back from when I left kind of having a real job, as I call it, from working in a corporate world to go out my own. I thought that people would be a little bit skeptical, would be saying stuff behind your back. But actually, it turns out that 
your friends and stuff like that are actually can be a little bit kind of jealous and they ask you questions all the time how are you doing this how are you doing this because some of them are scared to do it themselves but you don't know what they're thinking themselves like you like instagram is amazing it's an amazing platform but i think a lot of people only put up the highlight reel up on their social media and you don't necessarily know the backstory like if you have say if you've got your friend who has who is married with kids, a house and stuff like that. You may want that, but that person may want some other life. You've no idea what other people are thinking. And most of the time when kind of negative things kind of come into your head and when you think that something bad's gonna happen, if you look back at it and analyze it, how often does that thing actually happen? Yeah, and you know what as well? The um, the amount of people that are like, uh, like fear of flying is actually quite a big deal, but there's people that there's fear of flying courses that you can go on. So I feel like that's one thing that will hold people back is because they're scared of the unknown and scared of what's going to happen. Or they will have heard a story about their their friend that got their phone stolen in Thailand or something something that isn't really a big deal. But they'll make that into the reason why they don't do something. And yeah, yeah. There's, there's danger. Like you could get your phone stolen in London. That doesn't mean you would stop walking around in London. Yeah, I think like yeah, we can blow out these stories, the horror stories that we do here into massive, massive things, um, and create sensational stories and stuff like that, and that may hold us back. So I, I'm, I'm delighted you kind of mentioned that. Um, you train like a lunatic. You train an awful lot. Um, so definitely check out some of the workouts that Felicia has put up on her, her on her Instagram. But one thing that I think not a lot of us do, or not enough of us do, should I say, is doing lifts or exercises that we don't enjoy doing. Um, I know girls in particular love doing squats, um, but the deadlifts is one of those lifts that you don't enjoy particularly. Can you kind of ex- kind of expand on why it's so important to maybe do exercises that we don't enjoy or lifts that we don't enjoy? Yeah, I th- do you know what? I don't even know why I all of a sudden started hating deadlifts because when I first started going to the gym that was all I did um but again I think it's because if people were going and they're not following a program you kind of have no idea like these girls are like oh I'm gonna squat however you know those like stupid little um little Instagram things that go around it's like 100 squats in however many days like people don't know what does what part so if you want to do loads and loads of squats you're probably going to end up with bigger quads than you are glutes. But um, when you're doing... The reason I don't like doing deadlifts is because I'm quite lazy when it comes to training and I don't overly like setting things up. So for me, deadlifts is one of those things where I've got to just add loads of weights on the bar and I can't really be bothered. So, so I just got into a habit of just not doing them and I would do anything to go around not doing them. Like I'd do, I'd do so many RDLs instead, which you kind of need the same setup for I just don't use I would use a heavier weight on a deadlift than I would an RDL but when I was in Bali I was having a conversation um I can't remember who I was having it with but I was like oh I really don't like deadlifts and I think it's because I'm so much stronger at squats because I can squat more than I can deadlift so I will choose the squat over the deadlift because it's better for my ego if I can lift heavier on a squat um so I was like right okay I'm gonna start doing deadlifts and I don't even know what clicked in my head, but I went into the gym and I was like, I'm actually not bad at them. I just feel like I've built them up so much now in my head that I didn't want to do them. So now I'm making more of an effort to program them in for myself rather than kind of ignoring doing them when I probably should be. But I think people sometimes get into their head that they really hate an exercise like I did, but you might not hate it or you might be just not doing it properly or... Um, I had a client once who didn't like doing upright rows and she was like, I just don't like upright rowing. And I was like, well, there are other exercises you could do, but why don't you like them? She was like, I have no idea. So there was no, there was no reason for her to not like them. It was just in her head all of a sudden. She was like, I don't want to do upright rows anymore. I've never heard anyone not liking upright rows. That's really I, interesting. I mean, they're really easy to do as well. So it's not like, it's not like a really complex lift, but there's people that, will avoid doing things because they they just don't want to and there's no real reason. Like, I personally hate burpees and I won't give them to anyone because I don't like doing them. But there's some people that absolutely love doing them. And I'm like, you crack on, but I don't really see the point in doing them. 
No, like for me, it's for me, it's squats. I don't enjoy squats, and it's literally the fear of not coming back up. Uh, with the weight on my back, that's literally the fear. But there's ways ways around that. Putting up the the pillars at the side, or having someone spot you, or else just reversing yeah. it back to box squats. There's ways around it. You can talk yourself out of anything you want to do, but there are so many ways around it. Train with someone if you wish, and that will push you on a little bit more. And that's something that I've tried to do a little bit more once a work twice a week. I try to train with someone, and that would, and he's big into kind of his uh, high uh, heart rate workouts. Yeah. Um, and it just kills you for like forty minutes an hour, and it's one of those things you feel amazing coming out afterwards compared to kind of the normal style that I would probably normally do if I with my own training. So, um, you, I know one of your clients, Heather, um, and we've spoken about kind of like girls lifting weights and kind of moving away from the cardio machines and stuff like that, and it is one of those things that I think a lot of this is gonna sound sexist, and I do apologize, but a lot of females in particular. T- t- kind of revert to the cardio machines when they start in the gym and i've had a lot of calls in the last kind of like week or so and it's the first thing that people are going they're completely new to the gym and they just revert straight turning right or left or whatever it is and going to the cardio machines but they feel that if they lift weights they're going to get bulky but i i would like you to explain it from a female perspective because it's so easy to say it as a male perspective but from hearing it from an actual female and talking about it, how it's not going to make you bulky um, and your quote that you said, do I look bulky to you? So is, is kind of, it's a caption and it's, it, it sums it up uh, amazingly well. Um, when people say about the whole girls lifting weight. So if you wouldn't mind expanding what's going on. Yeah. First of all, shout out to Heather because she is honestly one of the nicest people I've ever, ever met. She's amazing. I met her, she came to she flew over from she from scotland yes from scotland yeah, she flew over from to dublin for uh from scotland for an event that i was speaking at um and i was actually chatting to her last week i think that's what uh and then someone else kind of mentioned to get you onto the podcast and i was kind of like right this is a sign so i'm gonna mess felicity if she if she ignores it she ignores it but here we are but she's awesome she's incredible she's on a fitness retreat in thailand now i was like do you remember that heather that first signed up with me nearly two years ago who told me she'd never go to the gym now look at you yeah, it's, um, she's in she's training in titan isn't she yeah she's doing it she's just extended her trip as well so she's staying for longer to train more i was like where's heather what, what have you done with her she's amazing she's, her, her, she's amazing um right girls looking well don't want to get bulky so when i first started going to the gym i was the person that was always on the treadmill but i think it's more of a confidence thing because the treadmill is easy to use like you just press start and you start walking and then the buttons are pretty self-explanatory but there's not really sometimes when you go into a gym it's really intimidating because there's not always like trainers to help you some of the people that work in the gym aren't that friendly of gyms I've been to and have experienced because they're more they're more wanting to sell their personal training sessions to you rather than just showing you where things are and I think that's the thing that people get scared of because they don't want to say no to buying off someone whereas if you said no it's perfectly acceptable but then they're too scared to ask for the help. So then they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. So then they just revert back to the treadmill every time. And then you'll get people that are like, oh, I'm not getting results. And I'm like, well, you you are paying for quite an expensive gym membership to walk on a treadmill when you could just walk outside on the pavement. Um, So it wasn't until I started actually lifting weights that I was seeing a change in my shape. And not to the point where I was, I actually used to think if you go to the gym and you lift weights, you're going to end up looking like, you're going to go compete at the Arnold Classic with like absolutely massive arms and traps and stuff because there was no other information that I had been exposed to that would tell me anything different. So when I started weight training, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I'm changing shape and oh, I can see a bit more definition in my arms. And I hate the tops of my arms from my elbow up. I would rather just chop it off. Like in photos, I will stand so people can't see the side of my arm if I can help it. But that's only because I thought I had really big arms. And I didn't. It was just the way I was standing. You're like pushing your arm against your side. Um, You'll see what I mean if you stand there while you're listening to this right now. And like press your arm against your side. And see how much more your your bicep expands. But anyway. So I, that's what I thought lifting weights was. I thought you'd get really, really ripped really quickly. And you'd be massive. And you wouldn't be able to put jeans on. Because your quads would be so big. But in reality, I've been lifting weights for nearly eight years, 
and do I look bulky? Like, I lift heavy weights, I eat well, I train hard, I do do cardio, but that's because I run, but I don't think I look bulky, and I think to get to the point where you look bulky, you have to be training immensely hard, and even then, some people's genetics won't allow you to get that bulky, but it's the initial thing of if you're going to the gym and you're training properly and you're following a program, you can sculpt your body a bit more than you can if you do cardio. Because on a treadmill, you can't grow a bum. Like, that's a big thing at the moment. All girls want to grow their glutes. But if you're just walking on a treadmill, you're not going to get any glute activation. So you're not going to get, you're not going to build that muscle. Um, yeah. No, I hope does that no, answer the question. That, that 100% answers the question. I think if you are scared of the weights area because supposedly looks like the big boy area big girl area which has happened a lot and people are kind of can be a little bit self-conscious of going into the gym for the first time but if that's the case my advice would be to chat to one of the pts or chat get a coach or else even get like a gym intro be a walk around the gym and showed properly how to use the machines rather than just being as you said standing on a on a treadmill when you could easily walk outside and get some fresh air um so i'm i'm delighted you've kind of mentioned that um for like kind of around now or is a little bit after when people are potentially have fallen off their fitness journey but people are always kind of falling off their fitness journey it's like fitness journeys or or anything work related journeys whatever it is family life is never a straight line of progress yeah. Can you kind of give your top two or three tips for anyone that has potentially fallen off their fitness journey to kind of get back onto it? It's it's never too late to restart again. I had a conversation with um, someone probably, it must have been the first week of February, and they were like, all my news resolutions have gone out the window. It's been a waste of time. I don't want to start again. I'm like, okay, but it's been four weeks. Like, if you live in the UK, you've probably got another four months of baggy jumper season. So in that time, if you want to, because a lot of people, there's that time of year now, people start panicking about their summer holiday, which for starters, there's you should have always started earlier than you think you should if your goal is to lose weight for the summer. And I'm not saying that's everyone's goal because it's absolutely not. But people always go into the new year thinking, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get fit, I'm going to run a marathon in four months. So I'm going to... Um, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna drop four dress sizes in two months. Like people set a lot of really unrealistic goals, which in the end will just end up as disappointment. So if someone's fallen off the wagon, I'd be like, okay, cool. But what about all those weeks you were on it? You've only just fallen off. So accept that that's happened, and get back on it. The worst thing I think people can do is that they will dwell on what's happened, and they'll be like, oh, I, I ate this the other week, and I shouldn't have done that. So I kind of went into panic mode, and I haven't watched my calories since. If, if they've accepted what's happened and they're like, okay, that's happened, but I can change it from now on, set themselves a new goal and then start again rather than hitting self-destruct button and then all of a sudden it's over and done with and you're like, wow, I've just wasted two months of my time. I had progress, I lost weight and then everything went wrong. Like there's always a chance to start again. It's not like think how little a time two weeks actually is out of your whole lifetime. And it's, it's never too late to stop look, to start looking after yourself. I think a lot of people think, oh, my God, it, it's, it's been two weeks since I ate well. I'm like, okay, it's been two weeks. That doesn't mean you don't have to eat well for the rest of the year. Yeah, there's another 50 weeks left in the rest of the year. Like you can, do, you can make massive changes in that kind of 50 weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it is you've got coming up to your holiday. But it also means I think a lot of people can... It, it's it's kind of scary how many people are still there's still a lot of education to be put out there regarding kind of the good and bad food stigma that is still out there and yeah. a lot of people um are like from talking to people on a daily basis they're like oh can i have this can i have this you can have what you want if within moderation yeah exactly and people will try and cut out everything they can to try and lose weight and i'm like well realistically if you're so say if someone's like oh my god i've got six weeks till i go on a hen do for those six weeks they eat really really well and they start seeing progress they go on the hen do go absolutely nuts for three four days and then all their progress is wiped away if in those six weeks they'd learned enough and learned how to eat properly they could have had three days off not really noticed the difference and come back and got straight back on it but people will diet really really hard for those six weeks 
go nuts and then just forget that they ever had some kind of goal. 100%. And I would rather a client that has kind of come to me or worked with me be happy, say they've lost, say, half a stone and their goal was maybe a stone, but they weren't able to keep the stone off for whatever reason. and they're able to manage half a stone less than they were that's still a massive win from where you were there's more there's you've created habits with food you're not looking at food in a negative fashion you are going to the gym three times a week you're moving a little bit more you're having a little bit more variety in your food you're having a little bit more colorful food on your on your plate a little bit eating a little bit more protein but plus you're able to get into your dress or your suits that you weren't able to get into maybe six years ago yeah, so, and do you know what? If you're better than the person you were yesterday, you're already doing better. I'm, like if if there's one more bit of fruit or veg or something on your plate that is better than you were eating the day before, you're already winning. I'm writing that quote down. Um, yeah, I'll give you that one for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that I what you just said is is amazing, and I want people to if you are struggling at the minute, like one thing that also come, kind of comes up a lot is kind of the word self-sabotage yeah and that came through an awful lot yesterday i do a q a on a wednesday and i didn't repost any i messaged the people privately i didn't want to put up the comments because sometimes it can be taken up wrong so i thought yeah. i'd kind of message the people privately but self-sabotage is one of those things that kind of happens an awful lot that once they there's a term by one of the guys that's been on the podcast paul dermody and he calls it the fuck it button that yeah if you once you say you have one packet of crisps you then go press the fuck button and the whole multi-pack but the only thing that's going to make you feel a little bit worse is you've had a little bit more food than you potentially should have you dwell on it let one day turn into two days two days into a week and so on and then you fall into this negative mindset of oh, i fucked it all up now i must give up but yeah. that's not going to get you anywhere that's like saying you've had one that's like cristiano ronaldo saying he's had one football game so he's going to pack it in yeah, no, exactly. And I think some people as well are like, oh, my, I went to the gym today, but it wasn't a good session. I'm like, you still went. Like, th- that in itself is progress, that you actually made the effort to put your trainers on and go. Like, yeah, exactly. And I think, like, if you think about it, and in your in your last 10 sessions, how many of them were you at your peak? I would say probably two or three were, like, the best sessions ever. Probably oh, yeah. m- most of them were probably mid-range, and then one or two were absolute crap. And then if you look back why they were crap you're you still went but they're probably because you hadn't slept great you potentially were out the night before you had a few drinks or whatever or you were just not in a great mood but you still went and still take that box you still the point is that you just still need to turn up even if you wake up in the morning and you're like oh i'm really hungry today i would my personally if that's me i try and think of foods that will fill me up more instead of foods that i'm like wanting like if i if i want something i'll have it but in moderation I, I used to be the person that would sit there and eat a whole pack of penguins in a day and then be surprised when I felt like shit the next day. But now I've learned how to manage it. It's just teaching people how to manage that initial, like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do, thought. And did, how did you learn that yourself? Or was there kind of one epiphany moment? Or was it working with the coach? Or how was it? I think it was probably at the point where I was like, this is a very expensive thing to keep doing. Um <laughs> Because when I was living at my mum's house, we always had a chocolate drawer. And when I was growing up at school and, like, there was just always chocolate in the drawer. So it was never really something I ever craved in the sense that it was always there. So I never really missed out on it. But now when I train people, they always think, like, oh, if I if I buy a pack of something, I have to eat the whole pack rather than just one. So when I kept doing it, I was like, hold on. Instead of me buying a pack every day, if I buy a pack, it will last me a week. Yeah. So... It was, it, it was costing me a lot of money apart from anything else, but I kind of learned that I would want it more, as in I, I wouldn't want it as much if I could have a little bit of it every day rather than all of it at once. Yeah, I think uh, I, I was listening to a podcast recently with Martin McDonald, who is MNU for anyone who doesn't know, but he has a, he loves jellies and loves like kind of the jelly snakes and stuff like that. Yes. And what someone gave him a gift of seven kilo bag of jellies. I saw that. And he was kind of like, he was kind of like, I'm going to eat all this in one go. But what he found was he was kind of taking a little bit every single day. But then after a while, he didn't want them at all. 
but it was just kind of like it was just little and often and then eventually you don't even think about it you don't put them up on like a pedestal it's like a mental win um, and I think that a lot of people kind of forget that that they I was one of these was that I would have like okay eat salads and stuff for my lunch at work on like say Monday to Thursday and then Friday Saturday Sunday would be completely off the rails but that's like what 43 46% of the weekend yeah. or the week um, but like so many people do that and they don't include the foods that they enjoy for me at the minute I have a, I have a mild obsession with including kind of magnums or the little ice creams you can get from Aldi or little uh, in like I have one of those a day and that's that's literally me I have a sweet tooth and that's literally me done for the day um, I think too many of us kind of put these foods up on pedestals they are marketed at us that way as well that's the only problem I don't think potential the marketing and the advertising are doing enough uh-huh. to do that 100%. do you know uh, what really annoys me about food marketing as well when the box says protein on the outside and then you read the ingredients there's like none in there they're just using it as advertising that's one thing that really winds me up about shops <laughs> it's it's mad and then people are like i you get you get pictures from people that you've never met asking you for advice on social media but they send you can i have this protein bar and i was like yeah but you can have the protein bar but the quality of the protein's crap for one but also the amount of calories that you're having there you could potentially have two chicken villas and get more calories into or more protein into you yeah or i'm like if you really want a, say a pig like a chocolatey protein bar and i'm like yeah but for those calories you could have Greek yogurt, a scoop of protein, and some M&Ms inside for the same amount of calories, and then you're getting both. Yeah, and you're getting your sweet tooth hit, you're plus getting protein, and plus you're getting a little bit of vitamins into you with the fruit and stuff like that as well. So yeah. there's, there, there are alternatives, um, and it's just important to kind of make sure that you are doing your research and getting going for alternatives rather than just reaching for those foods that are easy to go to. And that's, and, that's the yeah. reason why shops have them at the checkouts, because you're sitting there, you're standing there idle, yeah. And you're literally going to go grab last thing you're going to put into your tray or into your trolley and then that's going to be probably the first thing that kind of comes out of the trolley when you're either yeah, driving home like, yeah oh well just have that quick to eat in the car on the way home yeah. when you wouldn't have had a snack in the way home otherwise if it hadn't been there big time um the last question for you felicity is the mental health side of things uh it's a massive thing for me personally and i know it is for you as well and i think yeah. It is, it's getting a lot, lot better. And I think the likes of yourself and the likes of um, Siobhan, Sinead, um, and there are other accounts and stuff like that. Head First is a big one that I would recommend to, he's an Irish guy. Um, Joe O'Brien, he's awesome. He puts out amazing content um, on the mental health side of things. But I think a lot of us don't kind of talk enough about kind of feelings and stuff like that like the, the rest of the episode was kind of very or, or oriented towards the training and the food side of things but i think yeah. one thing that has to be mentioned is the mental health side of things um is social media doing enough in your eyes or what can we do to make people talk a little bit more about their feelings so i think social media it's got a lot better than it used to like i remember when what social media when it was first a thing and there was trolls everywhere but i don't know if it's that there's less trolls now or if it's there's more people that aren't so you're not noticing as much but the thing I think is that this sounds bad but people will try and use mental health captions to boost their engagement and it's not something that they genuinely believe or feel and I'm not I'm not one to say that they don't feel like that but I do know of people that do it just for engagement because they know it will get comments or people will leave hearts and stuff and that I think in itself is very messed up because I personally have I've lost people to suicide that I was very close to and sometimes I think if if those people would just be able to talk to someone without feeling like they're being judged or if they were a burden on someone it wouldn't be as much of a problem as it is now and I think in the media now people are so quick to jump down people's throats about having an opinion and because they're always behind a screen it's very easy for people to be nasty then I wouldn't go up to someone's face and say something but so say if the, last night I was having a chat on my story about coronavirus and I was just generally chit-chatting giving my opinion because I feel like my social media I'm allowed to have my opinion and I was getting messages of people that were being very very nasty and I was like hold on a minute if I was in the street saying this to you you wouldn't directly call me the c-word to my face 
but you feel like it's okay to do it through my messages. So I think people kind of forget that the internet isn't doesn't mean that you're entitled to anything. I think yeah, a lot of a lot of followers and stuff, not my followers necessarily, but people in general think that they're entitled to something because they're a follower or because they see your life on social media, they automatically think, "Oh, maybe I if she's having a shit day, maybe I'll make it worse and be nasty." Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. social media is doing enough in the sense that there's a lot more awareness about it and there's a lot more people talking about it now. But I personally would rather have a discussion with my friend or if I see someone maybe that's not, not looking as cheery as they usually are or they're looking a bit stressed, I'll just drop a message and be like, let me know if you need anything, I'm here for you. Because there's a lot of people that sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger than it is like a close friend, but you're never sure which people you can reach out to. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think what you've just said there is why not use the energy from the what whatever typing you're going to do and send that message that's saying, are you okay? Do you want to have a chat? Rather than sending the C words to someone. Like, that's, like that, there's something going on with that person that is, they've got something bottled up that they are messaging you with the C word. And yeah, exactly. And I think it's probably, sometimes it's it says more about the other person than it does you. And I think it's then the way you can react to it. It's, normally I'd reply and I'm like, oh, a fake account, I hope you have a great day. Because I'm like, okay, clearly there's something wrong with that person that they feel the need to be nasty to someone else. But I also don't think that people think about what's coming out of their mouth. Yeah, and I don't. like. I think social media is getting better at it, but I think the actual traditional media has a fuckload of work to do from uh, what has happened yeah. recently. Like they are literally using you as clickbait. And after doing a little bit of research on it, I've deleted a lot of the news apps off my phone because they're unfortunately some a very high profile person passed away and took her own life. And I'm not going to go on any more about it. But after watching a video, I'm not sure if you saw the Danny Cipriani video. Yeah, I watched that and I was like, I was crying. I was like, it's like, from like he's he's this you portray him as a rugby player a big macho man but for that man to open up to a camera and yeah. just let raw rawness go out but the the stories that he were telling were 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 disgusting from what the media were doing yeah and you know what it's the people that are writing those articles don't ever think about the people they're writing them about they're like how much money can i make out of this story like when paparazzi follow celebrities around what if that person's having a bad day and they get a photo of them when they're having a bad day and then they post photos of them and they're like, so-and-so was out in a tracksuit having lunch or whatever and they're like, oh, she didn't look great. Or do you know when they do the, um, I can't even remember what magazine it does, but they always take pictures of celebrities when they're on holiday on a beach with their families and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's like, so-and-so looks like they've put on some weight. Like, they're on holiday. Leave them alone. Like, the people that are taking the photos wouldn't like it if it was the other way around but they're more bothered about making money and having clicks on their articles or there was one um about the whole coronavirus thing um when it was like such and such has been closed but when you actually click on it and read the article nothing's been closed they're just doing it as a headline which is actually really stupid and what I have found that the people or the journalists that are writing those stories are the same journalists that are writing the stories afterwards after someone has done uh, has killed themselves or has done something or has gone off the has kind of turned to alcohol or substance abuse that they're the ones saying oh we should feel sorry for this person yeah but they're the ones that kind of drew them into it at the beginning yeah 100 percent. and is there a way to change that i don't know because if people are still reading the articles and commenting and people are still buying the magazines they're still making money off it so they'll carry on as long as they're making money they don't for the people that are writing the articles, they don't care about the people that they're writing them about. They care about their paycheck. 100%. And I think the only way that we can stop it as a consumer is potentially stop downloading or stop clicking on the actual articles. And yeah. once people stop seeing that we're interested in it, but because we're in such a social media kind of celebrity lifestyle orientated kind of culture at the minute, I can't see it going away for quite a long time. Yeah, 100%. And I think it will get worse before it gets better. Unfortunately. 
which is a horrible thing to say and think about, but that people don't want, they want change, but they're like, if it's too much change in one go, people are like, ah, like if it's a little bit, bit by bit, I think it will be a bit easier for, for it to slowly fade out. But for now, I feel like it's going to get worse and more things will happen before or something gets done about it. But at the same time, if you're following people on Instagram that are constantly being negative or making you feel like you're less than you want to be or you less than you are, just unfollow them. Yeah. Like, you could you you have a choice of who you follow and if people are making you feel like inadequate or they're making you feel like you're not good enough or, or things like that you have the power to change that but people will follow because then they want to have an opinion about someone not because they're doing anything productive with their time 100% and use that energy that you're going to write that harmful message to and unfollow that person potentially yeah but the thing is most of the people that send horrible messages won't follow you anyway they'll be there to make a comment they're not there to follow you and, and most of the people that send horrible messages will either be from fake accounts or they're from people that won't have ever messaged you before and won't follow you which is then ridiculous because you've gone out of your way to do that why don't you read a book or something instead instead of <laughs> coming on someone giving you neggy vibes to someone else yeah 100% um, so I'm, I'm delighted we spoke about the kind of the mental health side of things I know that is quite a a big passion of yours so thank you for being so honest about it um the so what's coming up next for you for you felicity i know you have a big event in august which i hope goes ahead so, so do i <laughs> i'll be upset if it doesn't um yeah ifs it's the international fitness summit it is basically last last year i went as an attendee and honestly it was one of the best weekends i think i've ever had not just from the party aspect but i learned so much and if you're a PT and listening to this why aren't you going because everything I have learned from being a PT being an online PT is from the people that are speaking at this event and I am actually so lucky now that I get to speak at it and kind of have my say because when I went to my first ever seminar it was James Smith's one about it was a, a, a PT one and I sat in that room and I made so many notes and I went home and I put all those notes into practice and there's no there's no difference in what kind of in, in a PT like the qualification that you have between me and the other 200 people sitting in that room the only difference is I went and put it into practice and oh. I think that if more people went to things and turned up and listened and educated themselves more that you'd learn so much more and you'd give so much more back to your clients and I think that's what I think that's what James has said himself. He's saying that he went to all these seminars when he was starting out, and he doesn't know where any of those people are right now. Yeah, no, exactly. And like, I have a lot of support from from Dieran, from James, from Siobhan, and I know that there are PTs out there that if I ever reached out to and I had a question, I would feel confident enough that they'd be able to help and answer my question because I've turned up and I've learned from them and I've put my hand up in seminars and I've asked the questions. Even if you think it's a stupid question, you can put your hand up and ask. Um, there was a guy that spoke at IFS last year called Paul Moore, who is He's awesome. big in email marketing. But he is, honestly, I listened to his talk and I literally felt like my life changed. That sounds really stupid, but he is one of the most motivational people I've ever heard speak. And if you don't follow Paul Moore, you need to follow him because some of his knowledge is just ridiculous. But the way he put, the way he described things and the way his seminar went, I came away from that and I was like, wow I think I just want to change my whole business because I've just learned so much in an hour so people that don't want to go to those events I I personally am like okay well you don't want to upskill yourself because you don't want to turn up and you don't want to go to those seminars you don't want to listen to audiobooks like Martin McDonald is taught, talked there last year and Phil Graham and um, Jamie Alderton all the big people that you follow in the fitness industry are talking and they're all in one place for the weekend it's like the Avengers meet up so I don't understand why people wouldn't want to be there. Does that make sense? No, one hundred percent. And if you take one thing from the whole weekend and you can apply that to yourself, well, then is that not worthwhile doing it? Hundred percent. And when you're at things at events like that, make notes and actually don't just make the notes and then never look at them again. Because you see people there with notepads writing stuff down, and I literally sometimes I just think you're writing that down, but you're never going to open that book again. Like if if you're going to write it down make sure that you're going to go home and put it into practice. Don't just write it down for the sake of writing it. 
yeah big time and I think like for like this is we're in Ireland so Trisha's transformation Trisha Lewis has just been announced and I think she, like she's 100,000 followers now yeah mental and, and Sinead and yeah all those people that you follow on social media that you think oh their life's cool their life's interesting why wouldn't you go and find out more about them yeah find out their story and like Paul Morris is also like the he's the email guy but he's also very he's had his own demons with mental health as well and he talks about that and he, he, he if if you don't know who Paul Moore is he did an episode with James Smith recently on James Smith's podcast and I would listen to that and see if you have an affiliation to him that's a great insight into Paul himself but he it also if you are a PT his emails like he doesn't have that many followers but he is making x amount of money and he's killing it and it, it just proves they don't need followers to make yeah. a living uh, which i think a lot of people are getting caught up in and say and when they lose like five or ten followers they lose their shit yeah literally <laughs> people are like, i lost 100 followers today i'm like so you still have the rest of them if they don't follow you they weren't going to bark you anyway exactly um so felicity thank you so much for coming on this morning uh, I really really appreciate it so where can people sign up for the Sassy Squad you can go on www.sassysquadtraining.com um, I'm on Instagram at Felicity Rosina and I think my Facebook's Felicity Rosina as well but I don't really go on there um, but I just want to say as well if anyone has any questions about anything we've spoke about or if you are suffering with your mental health and stuff like that please feel free to inbox me I sit there for a lot of time a day answering inboxes and I'd rather someone inbox me and said something than just wanted to ask and felt bad messaging so i'm always here doors always open for a chat and if you need anything you can always ask thank I'm you so, thank you so much felissa i really really appreciate it. you've been awesome and the the insight that you've given into everything and the quotes and stuff like that they've been awesome so thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me <laughs>